There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning to our Friday edition of the podcast. Uh, let me welcome you to the podcast, our last day for the week. We're certainly thankful for each of you listening. We're thankful for the services here at the Agamalgam Baptist Church, what God is going to do. We pray for the church here. Brother McFarland is the pastor and the folks here in Agamalgam. That's in Sedgwick, Maine. And then, of course, starting Sunday, all through next week, we'll be at Tremont Baptist Church. And that's over in Seal Cove, which is a small village in the town of Tremont, the Tremont Baptist Church. And then, of course, we head to Vermont, down to Rhode Island, head to Youth Week in New York. And so we want to invite folks out, let folks know about the meetings. If you'd like to come to Youth Week, just let us know. I know there's some coming for the first time this year. We're praying that God will just give us a good week. Pray God will just give us understanding of Scripture, open our hearts to the things we need to receive, and then open our minds to the places we're wrong. That's the purpose of preaching, that God would just straighten us out. And by the way, we're wrong probably more than we're right. And the longer you go in this Christian life, you think you get more and more knowledge and you find out the less knowledge you actually have. And so we do thank the Lord for the preaching. Thank the Lord for the word of God. We're in Job 27 today, and I'm trying to get through much of this chapter, probably not all of this chapter, but we see Job steps into that role again. Job has contended with Bildad the Shuhite. He has explained the workings of God, but then Job continued, and the word of God said this, his parable. And so it's interesting he said it on that wise, because why is it a parable? Well, it goes back to the things Jesus Christ spoke in. Uh, this is not Job. He tells us that. He continues a parable. Why would Job speak of himself in this manner? So in this place, it's very clear he's not speaking of himself. I don't speak of myself in parables. I don't to tell you little uh, unique stories, and then you try to figure out, oh, that's Tim McVeigh he's talking about. It's kind of an unusual way to speak at best. And I don't believe Job is speaking in a parable. I believe Job is just speaking forthright of the things of Jesus Christ. He tells you that when he says, Job continued his parable and said. And so he's not speaking of his own calamity here. He's not speaking of his own ways here. But he begins to speak of one. And every single verse, there's identifiers. There's what we call those key words concerning Jesus Christ. We've been learning that on this podcast. We learned that in the Psalms explicitly, there's just key words, that cry. Those tears, that weeping, his soul, his spirit. There's just so many things that God shows us. And those key words cause us to stand and look at this and take a second glance at this and have understanding. Is this Jesus Christ? Is this prophecy? And again, we're not trying to search in dark corners, trying to justify things that aren't there. But when these words pop up, it begs a second chance. It begs an opportunity for someone steeped in normalcy of religion to even take a look at this and say, oh, my goodness, there's something there more than what religion has taught me. And let the Spirit of God be your guide. And if you indeed have been saved by the grace of God, God will teach you. Uh, he will lead you into all truth. 
the spirit of truth, when he comes, what's he going to do? He's going to direct you that exact way. He's going to lead you that exact way. He is going to teach you himself. And so Job speaks in this parable, as God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment, and the Almighty, who hath vexed my soul. Now, again, God himself did not vex the soul of Job. God took his hand off of Job. God pulled his protective net off of Job. Uh, That hedge that was around him was taken down that Satan could get at him, but it was not God that vexed his soul. So as Job is speaking under the inspiration of God, why would he wrongfully accuse God? I don't believe he's wrongfully accusing God here. I believe he's speaking of Jesus Christ. I believe he's prophesied because who vexed the soul of Jesus Christ? It was the father himself. He came down and vexed his soul. Why? His soul was made that offering for us. And I know we say it over and over and over on the podcast. I believe part of the reason why is because it's such a foreign doctrine to people. And if there is somebody new listening, it's such a strange doctrine to people. Um, They can't explain the soul of Jesus Christ. Most preachers will not explain the soul of Jesus Christ. And if they do, they'll say, oh, his soul was offered on the cross. And yet his soul was not offered on the cross. His soul was cut away from him. It was an offering for sin. And we need to understand that according to Scripture. He said, the Almighty who has vexed my soul, all the while my breath is in me. What is that? That's when he's hanging on the cross. That's when he's struggling to gain his breath. That's when he's pulling himself up and his breath is fleeing from him. And the crushing weight of his body is on his chest. And the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. Who would that be? It is Jesus Christ. Why? It's the breath of God. It's the breath that God has given his son. It's still in his nostrils. He still has life. He's still the son of God. Now, it's interesting. He's being judged for sin. He's been made sin for us. But yet when he speaks, it's holy. When he speaks a woman, behold thy son. That's holy. That's the words of Jesus Christ. It is finished. That's the words of Jesus Christ. Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. That's the words of Jesus Christ. Every time he speaks, even in condemnation, it's the word of God. And so Jesus Christ is speaking while the spirit of God is in his nostrils. He is still speaking. What can I say on this wise? Holy writ. When he speaks, we need to take notice. Why? He's the son of God. He's the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. For God forbid that I should justify you, and there's a colon there, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. Now, I realize that Job's wife told him to curse God. He had no integrity and told him to don't worry about those things. And people can relate that back to Job. But what we're looking at here is a man that is there on the the cross of Calvary. And God forbid that I should justify you. How is he going to justify them? He's been offering for sin. He's dying for sin. He cannot justify at that point in time. It's not until his death that you and I are saved. And by the resurrection, we're saved by his life. He said, until I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. That's why as the lamb before her shears was done, yet he opened not his mouth. And he never opened his mouth. He never murmured. He never spoke out against them. When his accusers came and smote him and ripped the hair off of his face and ripped his beard off, he never accused them. He never made accusation against them. Why? Because he maintained his integrity. That never changed. In verse 6, my righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. And again, why is that? It's his soul that's made the offering for sin. He doesn't have a wicked heart. Jesus Christ didn't have a sinful heart. Jesus Christ was not a man of sin, but sin was laid upon him. Iniquity was laid upon him. He that knew no sin. And so again, all of these things point to Job's parable, 
but he's prophesying. He's speaking of Christ. He's speaking of that one which is to come. There is not a verse that we have read that has not lined up with other verses throughout the Psalms, throughout Isaiah, throughout the prophets of God, including Zechariah, that does not line up with the four Gospels of Jesus Christ. It all lines up perfectly. So a man can contend with it and say, well, you know, I just see that as Job. That's fine. But Job doesn't line up with the Gospels. Job's life does not line up with the Gospels, but Jesus Christ's life, it certainly lines up with the Gospels. It lines up with the Word of God throughout. It's consistent. It's continual. It ever is. He said, let mine enemy be as the wicked, and he that riseth up against me as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he hath gained, when God taketh away his soul? So again, do we see Christ? Do we see that one speaking? How many times did Jesus Christ speak out against the hypocrite? Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Why did he speak out against them? Because they're religious, but without faith. They're religious, but without belief in scriptures. They have that form of godliness. They do deny the power thereof. He said, from such turn away. Why is that? Because they denied the faith. I'm talking about clean living people, holy living people. My wife and I were to rest area on our way to Maine on Memorial Day and there's a Jewish man there and his wife in very modest apparel, looked pretty bitter and angry, but very modest. He himself had modest clothes on and he had the, the small braids. I cannot remember the name of those that came down. He had them over his ears and uh, he was there and he had uh, little, little phylacteries around his belt. And my wife asked me what those, what are those things on his belt? And I told her that those are his phylacteries. I uh, very much contrary to what Jesus Christ spake of, but yet he has those scriptures on his belt. Why to remind him of the of the word of God, to remind him of the law of God. There's a good chance that man does not believe the law of God concerning Jesus Christ. He does not have faith in Christ. There's a good chance that man is, is a hypocrite. He's religious. He's very zealous. He probably does the absolute best he can with what he has. I'm not going to contend with that. But he does not see Jesus Christ. But what he has is those phylacteries, and he's enlarged those phylacteries, and he's filled them with scriptures, and he's a little bit better than his neighbor. And the reason I say that is because we deal with a lot of religious folks, a lot of plain religious folks, and the whole idea is I do this a little bit more than you, a little bit better than you. My property's a little bit nicer than yours. Our, our house is a little bit cleaner than yours. Our clothing's a little bit uh, better fitting than yours. And each one of those things is, is considered a spiritual advantage and a spiritual enlightening. And this is the way we live. But he said they're hypocrites. What is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he hath gained. What does he gain? Everything that he wants religiously. He's the biggest hypocrite of all. Why? Because he's done exactly what his religion has demanded of him. And by the way, at that point, your religion is your God. Therefore, he's done what his God has demanded of him. But chances are his God does not demand faith from him. And our God demands faith. We must believe God. We must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For the they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because they're doing this all according to their purpose and their plan. And that's what Job is speaking out against. That's the enemy that came against Christ. Who turned against Jesus Christ? The chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people. They came and decried him and cursed him and mocked him, even though he was the son of God. They cursed him for saying he was God. They cursed him for saying he would raise up a temple in three days. They cursed him for healing on the Sabbath day. Everything he did, they knew better. They were wiser. They were. Job was prophesying of those things. Let mine enemy be as the wicked, and he that rises up against me as the unrighteous. Why is that? Because they're going to perish. They're going to die lost. They're going to die without hope. They're going to die and forever be damned without any hope. He said, well, what is the hope of the hypocrite? You know what the hope of the hypocrite is? It's Jesus Christ. 
The religious zealot, it's Jesus Christ. The fool, it's Jesus Christ. The wicked, his hope is Jesus Christ. The evil man, his hope is Jesus Christ. The reprobate, his hope is Jesus Christ. The sodomite, the murderer, the adulterer, the liar, the thief, the religious zealot, every one of them, their hope is Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the hypocrites, nothing else. That's why Job's telling us that. If we see these things and we realize this is speaking of not of Job, but of one which is to come, he it is who has hope for the hypocrite. He it is who can change that life. He it is that can change that stony heart. It's Jesus Christ. Though he hath gained when God taketh away his soul. So he's gained all of these things and all the things that religion has to offer and all the things the world has to offer, but there's one thing lacking. He's lost his soul. He has lost the very thing that matters most, his own soul. He feared man who could only destroy his body, but he didn't fear God who could destroy both body and soul in hell. He did not fear God. So it is with the religious zealots of today. They do not fear God. They fear man. They have a form of godliness. They have a plan. They have a scheme. They have an idea. They have an ideal. They conform to their religion. They do everything. Man, One of the great joys of being saved by the goodness of God, by the marvelous, wonderful grace of God, is that you no longer have to follow man's rules of religion. Now, this other man-made rules we follow. We follow the laws of our land, follow the laws of, certainly of our government, follow the laws of our state. My children follow the laws of their parents. At least they're supposed to. They're required to. Uh, we follow the rules of the house of God. Every church is different, but we don't walk disorderly. I don't go into the churches and try to con- change their rules. Neither do I conform to their rules when I leave those churches. Why? Because it's their rules. It's their ideals. It's their thoughts. It's their opinions. But man-made ideals and man-made philosophies in religion are so damnable and so despicable, and men are following that. But in Jesus Christ, you're made free. You realize, I don't have to follow some of this nonsense. I don't have to follow my cult leader. I don't have to do what he says. And it's freeing. It's liberating. And you obey those that have the rule over you. And he said for this, here's the caveat for that, for that watch for your soul. I'm not promoting rebellion. What I'm promoting is freedom in Jesus Christ. When you realize you have to follow the word of God, you have to, and it's not a grief to follow the word of God. It's a joy to follow. But I've watched so many people bitter, so many people destroyed in religion, so many zealous hypocrites destroyed because they're trying to follow the rules of man. And they get bitter with man. They see the failure of man. They see the folly of man. But what they cannot see is Jesus Christ. They cannot follow him because all they're trying to do is please their master. Their master is the God of this world. Their master is not Jesus Christ. And they're trying to please him. They're trying to please their religious masters. They're trying to do everything they can and obey every little rule and every jot and every tittle yet without faith. And how unpleasant, how revolting, How awful it must be to live in that oppression, but through Jesus Christ, we're made free. It becomes a joy to go to the church house and listen to preaching. It becomes a joy to hear life-changing preaching. It becomes a joy to be made free. We can say, you know what? I'm not going to belong to the cult. I'm not going to belong to the secret society. I'm not going to belong to those that would oppress me. I belong to Jesus Christ. His love constraineth me. What does that mean? It's not restraint, it's constraint. I want to do this. I want to live for him. I want to dress right. I want to listen to godly music. I want to be participants in holiness and godly service. I want to be a child of God. I want to live like a child of God. He constraineth me. Why? Because he loves me and he cares for me as a son. 
And that's that relationship that we have. It's that father-son relationship. Why? He's invited us into that fellowship with the father and the son. And he's called us into that glorious fellowship. And then he'd have the son half life. And what a joy it is to have that life in Jesus. If you don't have that life this Friday, would you consider these things? Would you hear these things and heed these things? If you're bitter in religion, why don't you find out what God you're serving? If you're bitter with the church, why don't you find out what God you're serving? You're bitter with the man of God. Why don't you find out what God you're serving? If you're serving man, you're going to be bitter. But if you're serving the Lord, it won't become a bitterness to you. It'll become a joy to you. I hope you have a great weekend. Pray for our services this weekend, and we'll be back here, Lord willing, on Monday. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.